and I think it's it's factual. If you can truly help understand what people are going through and where they are and what their job is, maybe if you get a little touch of the personal life in there, you're going to be able to connect with them and help them out. I think that by putting our self-interest and our commission checks uh, as a secondary thought and putting the customer and their needs and their company needs first, I think that that's going to truly propel you to be one of the better players in the game. This is Alexander Lauren, and I'd like to welcome you to the Biggest Win Sales Podcast. Rick Campbell has over two decades of strategic selling and management experience across marketing tech, cybersecurity, telecoms, and business intelligence. Rick has the haircut and stories to prove it. He is currently heading up the sales effort at StoryTap, a new DIY marketing technology that allows brands to create collect and share videos at scale from customers, fans, and employees. He loves blending the science and art of selling and believes that being an active listener is one of the best skills an individual can nurture. And he has a policy, no jerks allowed. Rick, welcome to the Biggest Win Sales Podcast. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. Okay. You have a policy. No jerks allowed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> can, you, can you tell? Uh, when did you decide to implement that policy? You know, I, I kind of stole it from uh, a very smart uh, lady that I know that has a marketing company. She she had it on her business cards, and I thought, you know, we have the right to choose who we hang out with on a daily basis uh, for the most part. So why fill it with jerks? Get them out of there. Allow yourself to have the freedom to surround yourself with people that uh, build you up and don't tear you down. And that's what it is. Do you apply that with, uh, with customers or clients? I think I do. Um, I've got a, a pretty good uh, BS meter, and I, I know when somebody is uh, genuine or not. And, you know, it, it's tough sometimes in sales because, you know, we are coin-operated individuals, and so... You know, we we do this job in order to provide for the lifestyle that we want to have. And sometimes jerks are the ones that are signing the check. And and that's tough because you have to humble yourself to do that. It's I don't think it's selling out. It's simply trying to figure out a different way of communicating or, or connecting with those individuals so that they are so that you appear to be more human because you can only control what you're putting out there. So if you can control what you're putting out to them, maybe they become less uh, jerky, if you will. I know that in in my my sales career, when I've had to deal with jerks, I've just I've basically you know I, I've been much more unhappy with <laughs> with my work. Of course, I know that in in my sales career, I when I've had those times where I've had to work with jerks. I've I've really been un unhappy about it, so I'm kind of torn on it. Like these days, I kind of look at it more like abundance. If I have to, like, I'm just going to connect and work with people who I really, really like and who I seem to have a really good rapport. I wonder, can you use that as as a um, as a as a, a strategy against the jerks? Just look at it as a, an an abundance. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, you know, uh, abundance thinking. Uh, 
I, I think that if you are in a position where you have the world knocking at your door and you get to pick and choose, I think that that's dynamite. But I also think there's a flip side to it. I think that uh, sometimes having those quote unquote jerks in your life teaches you a lot of different lessons. Uh, and if anything, it should teach you about how you are and how you respond. Uh, it's, it's the whole aspect of if somebody treats you a certain way, do you go to their level and start being that way? Or do you continue to be the, the genuine person that you're meant to be? And yeah, jerk in there, you know, throwing you a bone doesn't, doesn't hurt the, doesn't hurt your self-esteem. It, it sure gives you a, a hell of a chance to learn a little bit more about yourself. And I think in the startup community where I'm back into right now, of course you want to deal with great people. Uh, but sometimes when you are cutting your teeth trying to figure out where your product and organization fit in a world, you know, it's, you got to kiss a lot of frogs to get to a prince, I think is, is what they say. Uh, so the odd jerk, ah, I like it. I think it's fun. Uh, but as a policy, I make sure to limit that from, from much of my life as I can. Well, you know what, Rick, that's tremendous wisdom because it's like, it's actually even, a, you can see it as a spiritual teaching that, you know, the biggest jerks and, the, you know, the, the worst people can actually be teachers for us. We can, we can learn through these people. So, um, totally agree. Yeah, hats off. I love it. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for the reminder. <laughs> no worries. Marketing tech, cybersecurity, telecoms, and business intelligence. And that, so now you're with a, a company called StoryTap. You mentioned it's a startup. You're very diverse. What has made you decide to, was that intentional? Did you mean to, to be, go into all these different industries? Um, did I mean to? No, I think that uh, I've been fortunate in my career to, well, I guess as a person, I'm a curious person. Uh, I'm curious about people. I'm curious about sales. I'm curious about a lot of different things. And the ability for me to have um, diversity across what I've been selling has been, I think, a real blessing to me. I, I look at the, the different steps that I've taken from um, different industry to industry to industry and how I've allowed to resell multiple customers that I've brought on at one point and then have a lifetime uh, kind of friendship slash customer relationship with them. I think that's been interesting for me. Uh, it definitely wasn't something that I plotted out and said, you know what, I, I got to have a schizophrenic looking uh, uh, CV because uh, that's certainly not what I, I intended. But I think what's happened was I, I get really excited about seeing an opportunity where I could learn from and become a better salesperson and more rounded. And that often has to do with selling to different types of people because you're selling different solutions. And that's been a really good coach for me throughout my career. You've been a, uh, an overachiever. You've been a top performer. What have, is there something that you've been doing on a regular basis? Uh, you know, uh, uh, do you have a, like a, a daily ritual or, or, or certain habits that, that have helped you become the sales professional that you are today? Sure. I, I, I don't leave out the fact I've been a bum as well. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've had some flops. Like a, it's not uh, it's not unicorns and, and fairy floss, that's for sure. Uh, but I think that one of the things that has allowed me to maybe come out on top more than, than not is the fact that I'm I like I like people and I like listening. Um, I've my friends 
will uh, laugh at that because I'm usually the loud guy in the room. Uh, if we've got a Canadian audience, I am Canadian, but a lot of my friends describe me as American. No offense to the Americans listening. Uh, but, but that's okay because it's given me the chance to uh, go out and, and be an active listener with the people that I talk to and being genuinely curious. And I think I wake up every day not with that feeling of, oh, crap, i got to go to work. It's the opportunity to go to work and provide and learn. And I think that that has afforded me that routine of not putting my feet on the floor as I get out of bed and going, oh, it's another day. It's more of like, hey, it's another day. What can we do? Now, don't get me wrong. There's the days you wake up, you're like, oh, crap, i got to go to work. But I think that overall philosophy of just being excited about what the world is going to throw at you for the day and, and being an active listener and genuinely curious about the people that you're working with and the people that you're selling to has afforded me the chance to really do well in connecting with others. Have you been naturally curious about people? Like that's a, a wonderful, a wonderful way to be. Yeah, I, I think so. I, like I remember as a kid, I'm the youngest of three boys. When you're the youngest of three boys, we didn't grow up with a lot. My dad had gone uh, broke in the cattle industry uh, the year I was born. So you fought for scraps. You fought for a lot of things. And one thing, though, that we did have was a real strong community in our uh, little town that I grew up in. We had really good friends, uh, family friends. I would be the kid that is told to go to bed at 8 o'clock, but I'd kind of scooch down and sit on the the, uh, the the stairs trying to listen to the conversations of the adults and just to understand what they're doing. And it, it wasn't about eavesdropping. It was just I loved hearing other people and hearing other people's stories. And I, I think that that probably propelled me down the path that, that I wanted to go. Like I, My career, I, I thought from the time I was a kid to the time I was about 17 that I was going to be a commercial airline pilot. And then when I went and did my, my pilot's course and I went to do uh, the stalls, I realized I, I about crapped my pants when I, I had to figure out going into a stall how to save the aircraft. I thought that's probably not the best thing to be or the best way to feel if, uh, if I'm going to be a pilot. So um, I naturally gravitated towards what my dad did, and that is to be just a, a salesperson that provided for his family. And I, I think it's a very noble uh, profession that, that I've uh, – undertake it. Absolutely. So Rick, you know, uh, you're a people person, you have this desire to learn, you're curious, you're a, a, a listener, and it, you have and you have family values. What what other characteristics do you think makes a great salesperson? I think what makes a great salesperson is often what makes a great person. Um, tying the two together, like I, I think that Humility, uh, <laughs> humility and sales don't always go hand in hand. Uh, and uh, Lord knows that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily call me the most humble dude in the world. But I think that the ability to humble yourself to others so that you can figure out how you can help them uh, is a very important aspect of being a salesperson. Because if you can listen and like, actively listen and dig into what people's true needs are, not just that that surface level, what they tell you to kind of get you out of the office, but what's going to help them, what it is to, to achieve, help them achieve their goals. I think that's what makes salespeople really good. I had a friend of mine that I worked with years ago, lucky enough to play hockey with him as well. And he'd always say, talent ain't selling. And I thought, you know, 
it's so true. You know, it's that old adage, you get two ears, one mouth, listen twice as much as you talk. And I think it's, it's factual. If you can truly help understand what people are going through and where they are and what their job is, and maybe if you get a little touch of the personal life in there, you're going to be able to connect with them and help them out. I think that by putting our self-interest and our commission checks uh, as a secondary thought and putting the customer and their needs and their company needs first, I think that that's going to truly propel you to be one of the better players in the game. And and, and you said it, Rick, you know, being a great person and, you know, uh, you and I were talking in the green room before I st we started recording and you mentioned about Make-A-Wish Foundation and how yeah. your, your, your softball team's involved with that. I hope you don't mind me bringing it up. No, it's great. Can, do you mind sharing that? Because, you know, I, before we started recording, I thought that you were a great person. So I got you tricked you already. <laughs> <laughs> what a great salesman you are. Okay. Yeah, thank would you. you would, would you mind like uh, plugging what you're doing? Uh, sure. Um, so uh, I'm in Vancouver and uh, I've got a, uh, for being a, a mid 40s overweight guy, I still love sports. Uh, I love uh, softball and baseball. And one of the, the communities that I'm involved with is our, our Sunday Funday League out here in Vancouver. And we are a softball, mixed softball league. Uh, it started out as a restaurant and bar league, but kind of has evolved over the years. We actually have some ex guys that or some guys that have played pro ball that come out and play. Now, we're a bunch of able-bodied people. We like to have fun, uh, enjoy the community that we've built. And we thought, well, there was a group of people uh, about eight of them that got together. One person in particular, AJ Caridi, uh, had this idea of we should really be giving back to our community. So a, uh, a crew got together, started interviewing different charities on who we could start raising funds for. And we settled on uh, uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation. And, and Ross is the CEO for BC and Yukon chapter. And one of the things that really came across was his desire to help others. And you hear the stories of these kids and these families. And here we are, all uh, quote-unquote adults, running around, uh, hitting a ball, chasing a ball, throwing a ball, and, and having a wobbly pop or two along the way. And we've got the ability to give back to them. And so since 07, uh, this past weekend, we had our tournament. We raised over $200,000 on the weekend, but it's brought our total uh, donations to Make-A-Wish to over a million dollars. And we couldn't be more proud. There's a group of people that make it run that are just absolute dynamite human beings. And then we get all these teams together that they have a minimum amount that they must raise to even be able to come into the tournament. So right there, you know that there's, there's these teams that are giving back through sport to help kids that otherwise would maybe have a tougher day. Um, they get to go and experience this dream and they forget about the issues that they're having for that little bit of while. So the aches and pains that we experience are nothing compared to the, the challenges that these kids and their families go through. So we're, I think everybody that is of able body and mind and, and finance should give back to support those around them. And, and let me ask you, so you started this in, in 07. Have you noticed a change in you and, and your sales career, like a pre 07, post 07? From a sales career, uh, no, I don't think so. I think my I've I've noticed more of a change around uh, being less selfish. <laughs> uh, mm. I think that 
we get so caught up as salespeople in, in, in chasing the next deal. And, and that's fun. I love it. I absolutely adore doing that. But I, I think that we get caught up in like the little nitpicky stuff. This didn't go well. Marketing isn't there. Blah, blah, blah. I think you got to sometimes just stop and look for some perspective in life. And uh, I think since being involved with this, it's really helped me have more of a perspective around that and being less of a jerk, if you will. And I, and I think that that's been a, a great gift to me. I got to be honest with you. I've talked to, oh my God, thousands of salespeople and it, it hasn't really come up much about philanthropy and, and, and volunteer work and, and giving to the community. Do you, uh, am I wrong or do you, do you see this in others in, in your uh, field? Oh, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I, uh, maybe yeah. you just haven't asked the question. Uh, it doesn't come top yeah. of mind. I, I know that the salespeople that I, I roll with, they're, they're pretty charitable people. Uh, you know, not everybody does it the same way. You know, giving is giving. Uh, even, you know, it doesn't have to be monetarily. You know, time is probably our scarcest resource and somebody that goes and volunteers time or just even, says hello to somebody that is you can see is clearly down you know making him feel like a human that's philanthropy as well it just isn't in the form of dollar signs yeah okay well i'll i've learned something today i'm gonna have to ask the question when i'm interviewing people <laughs> what do you do so um storytap is this your you mentioned it was a startup is this the first startup you've worked for no no i've worked for a couple different startups uh, I would suggest that this is probably the first startup that I've worked at where people want to have the conversation about what we're doing uh, because it is new marketing technology, uh, micro-influencing, uh, user-generated content is big, user-generated video content that is directed isn't really uh, or hasn't been seen as a, an achievable thing yet. Uh, there's some great video companies out there. Uh, like the Vidyards of the World for uh, BizDev, uh, VoxPopMe for um, customer experience. We play a different role for the marketers where we're giving the ability to have guided storytelling. And it's a DIY platform, so it makes it super easy and affordable for them to do it. And it matches any sort of narrative that the brand is trying to get, whether it be case studies or testimonials or what we're seeing is product reviews is huge uh, for us. So it's been exciting. Uh, to be able to actually talk to people and have them go, hey, this is something that I haven't heard of before. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. And when, as a, now you, as a v, vice president of sales in, in a startup, now, of course, you know, you do, you go to a startup, there's a little bit of a risk, but what mm. are like, what are the things that in your experience, what are the things that you look for when you make a decision to, to join a startup? I, I think it's the, the playing field that we're going to have a chance to go to. Is it narrow or is it, is it vast? And when I say vast, it doesn't mean just like, you know, the Vancouver territory or candidates, it's national and it's international. Can we scale to that? Is the founder a good human? Uh, are they clear on their vision? Are they smart? I think I, uh, I listened to one of your podcasts before a gentleman was talking about having smart people, not just IQ, but EQ as well. Uh, and I think that that's an important aspect to have. And then what does that founder have for a co-founder as well? And are they able to uh, listen to what the market has to be able to find something? Because as you know, uh, the term pivot gets used all the time. But as a startup, you send a pivot. And, and we've gone through that first pivot. 
And I think that now we're getting market uh, recognition and it's exciting to see that. So it starts with the humans, and then it goes to the product, and it goes to the market, and then allows me to go, what can I then bring to the table that complements what they're doing? And this seemed to be a pretty decent fit. I, I had been an advisor to them for over a couple of years before. Uh, my wife and I just moved back from Australia two months ago or two and a half months ago. And uh, this opportunity was put upon us to come and, and head up sales. So um, it was the right timing, right fit. And I was excited about the opportunity of what it could bring out of me from a learning perspective, but also what I could give back. Rick, have you had mentors throughout your, your sales career? And if so, would you like to give a shout out? Yeah, the, the mentor thing is funny. I knew you were going to ask me that. And I, I've been one of these guys that has been trying to figure out who could be my mentor. Um, I know, I know it sounds crazy. Um, I've, I've really tried to glean as much of the good as I can from a lot of different people. Um, there was one gentleman uh, named Bob Murray that came in as a consultant to one of the companies I've been working at, and he really turned my impression around on what it means to be a guy that actually seems to care and give back and and do the right thing with salespeople and actually encourage them um, more with um, a carrot and not a stick. And and I think that that was an important person for me to be able to meet and, and respect as, as a sales leader. Um, and I, I shouldn't say this, but, you know, so often you sales leaders not all, but there's there's a good handful that I've I've been around where they get they get caught up in the world that they're in and they, they think they're bigger than than the deal and and I think that he was a guy that was uh, is a humble man he's well well traveled and respected and I think that that's that was a big piece for me to be able to learn from him. Uh, my dad is probably my biggest mentor in life, uh, whether it be professional or personal. I'm lucky to be uh, come from a. a a family that my dad was a serial entrepreneur and my mom supported that and and allowed him to do what he needed to do to to build a, a heck of a life for a family of five. And so I really rely on on his teachings and guidance um, in a smaller scale. Now I get to work in a little bit bigger scale than he was in, but I think that those fundamental lessons are are incredibly important to the success I've had. What's one of the biggest challenges for sales professionals today? One of the biggest challenges, I think it's getting people to open the door, uh, to take that call. You know, you, you look at how we've traditionally done this, uh, you know, going after finding leads. And it's, you think about the old school, you, you wrote letters, you sent brochures, then there's the trade shows, and then there's the telephone, then there was email, now there's video. Uh, our customers are bombarded uh, with, with people trying to sell them something. And I, I think that just clearing the noise of salesiness and being human with people, but getting it, getting to them uh, with that message is one of the toughest things because it's, it's getting a wedge in the door and then you get that opportunity to, to bust it wide open. And I think that that's probably the biggest challenge from a, a, actual, uh, not from a strategic perspective, but from an operational perspective, I think the biggest challenge that I see, I get pitched for stuff too, and uh, the roboticness of salespeople 
in not putting the effort in to actually just be themselves is one of the challenges I see in, in a lot of people because it's, it's about repetition. So you get caught up into that dialing for dollars mentality and you lose the humanity of who you are. And I think if you can stop and take a breath and take a smile before you dial and, and to reach out to somebody and, and have a real conversation, I think that might open up some doors. Uh, of course, you got to have good messaging as well. Don't get me wrong, but don't be a robot. And I, I think that that might knock down some of the barriers that, that some salespeople are seeing. Wow, wonderful advice. And that was going to lead me to the next question about advice. Do you, do you have another uh, piece of advice that you'd like to share for, for maybe the, the, the newer sales generation? Yeah, I think there's probably a few things that, that I've learned from my career the hard way. You know, I guess this is kind of like the dad teaching a kid, don't do this, but the kid goes and does it anyhow. I think don't be impetuous with your career. Uh, I made a decision to leave a company. I've only made one decision on leaving a company that I knew I made it too soon. I knew I, I knew I was wrong as soon as I did it, but I couldn't help but let my ego get in the way of a good decision. And so don't be impetuous. Take your time. Think about what you're doing. Actually think through like a chess match where you're going and how you need to get there. Uh, I left a company that I shouldn't have. I look at what it did for the careers of some of my friends where they got a working MBA. Uh, by going through this machine of a company. And I went and, and did it uh, through the School of Hard Docs at some point. So uh, don't be impetuous. Enjoy the journey, though. Don't always look at the destination of where you're going. Think about all this, the, the important aspects, the in, uh, interactions you get to have with people and the learnings that you get to, to receive from those, those individuals. I think that that's a, a huge part of it. And you do that through being an active listener. Uh, I think that those are kind of the pieces that, that really stand out to me. If I'm going to spend time with a salesperson that's younger, that's what I'm going to, you know, that's what I wish I would have heard. Of course, I'm pig-headed as well, so sometimes I might have went the opposite direction, did my own thing. But to have that kind of guidance early, I think, probably would have helped me a little bit more in my career. Rick, are you ready for the Biggest Win Sales Challenge? Why not? <laughs> all right. I've got 15 questions. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to answer all 15. If you're stuck, just say Ooh. pass, and I'll move on to the next question. Let's see how many questions okay. you can answer correctly. The score to beat is eight. Let's oh. put, yeah, let's put 60 seconds on the clock. You got this. You got this. The <laughs> clock, <laughs> the clock will begin after I ask you the first question. Are you ready? I am ready. True or false? Sales Bums is a Netflix original pot, an original sales comedy series set to be released in mid 2018. True. What's the first thing you sold? Furniture. Where is the best place to sit in a one-on-one -on -one lunch with a prospect or client? By a window. The film Glengarry Glen Ross depicts two days in the lives of four salesmen. What did they sell? Real estate. Who wrote The Greatest Salesman in the World? Augment. True or false? True or false? You are allowed to sell your soul on eBay. <laughs> I hope false. If you have to eat two frogs, which one should you eat first? Dead one. <laughs> what does a milliner make and sell? Hats. 
True or false, 92% of all customer interactions happen via the telephone. True. What will move you forward and closer to your goals? Humility. Nice. Well done. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You've tied the oh, record. Nuts. I couldn't win. Dang it. Hey, <laughs> eight is pretty good. I'll take it, though. Yeah. What did I what did I screw up on? Well, I think you only screwed up on the first one, uh, Sales Bums. <laughs> sales Bums is a okay. Netflix original sales comedy series. I just made that up. Uh, I, I'm so out of touch with that, so I got no idea. Augmentina, very good. Real estate. Um, well, you know, the best place to sit in a one-on-one -on -one lunch with a prospect or client. What I what I read was next to the client at a square table. Not across from the ah, fair enough. Yeah, not across. I agree. Yeah, but very well, good. Very although good. that could be some somewhat weird at times, I would imagine. <laughs> it depends the size of the table. Yeah, I can barely hear, so I want to make sure that I'm close. Get old. Okay, well, thank you for playing my game. Thank you for indulging me. It's the biggest win sales podcast, so I must ask you, Rick. Can can you tell us a little bit about your biggest win? Sure. I say the, the size of the deal was 1.2 mil uh, US. It was a state government RFP. Uh, it was about unseating the incumbent. Complex sale. Uh, there were multiple departments within the Gov that were impacted on what we were doing. Uh, there were about 30 key people, 30 yeah, 30, 34 people involved in the sale where they are actually influencers. Uh, excuse me. And so it was trying to get get a clear idea of, of how it impacted all of them. And I, I think that this was one thing that I, I learned from a sales manager um, was the ability. We, helped, we had to do the RFP, obviously, but then there was the ability to go in and do the, the presentation to them. We took the stance that we wanted to make sure that we talked to every single one of those influencers prior to our, our sales meeting, not just the directors or the, the uh, uh, managers, but people down the line as well that would be impacted on a day-to-day. -day. And it really gave us uh, so much more insight than talking to purchasing. And we, we got allowed to do this. Not always are you going to get the, the graces to do this, but we, we were given that. And it allowed us to be able to go into the, the presentation and have uh, actual examples of how we would impact these 30 different people that were there in the room with us. And I think that allowed us to connect with them. And it showed that as a, a partner in this, it was a much better uh, fit than what it would have been for maybe some of the others that didn't take that chance to ask for permission to talk to all these people. And quite honestly, I didn't ask for permission to talk to all of them, but it was because uh, I knew I was going to get a no, but I needed their insight. So I just phoned them directly and we never got thrown out of the RFP process. Don't do that though, people. That's not the best way to always do it. Uh, but it allowed us really to carve out time with these people and it gave us a tremendous amount of insight that we just would not have had otherwise. And it allowed us to craft our pitch to them in a way that helped them achieve their goals instead of just showing up and saying, hey, look at this shiny software that we have. And uh, 
you know, that was that was an important aspect of what we were doing uh, different and allowing us to grow the market. And it turned out for that one. So we were, we were pretty thrilled and it made for a nice Christmas. Yeah. And was it, was it the type of deal where everything just seemed to go right? No, no. no. Uh, it was over the Christmas time. So people were, uh, my fail didn't qualify the vacations well enough. So all of a sudden you're scrambling to talk to people that have been involved in the deal and then they're gone for two or three weeks. And you're like, oh, nuts. Like, how do we, how do we do this? Cause we were on a timeline as well. That was, that was a really good learning tool. Uh, I think that that was, that was probably the, the disappearing act of people that I should have known better was the biggest challenge. Uh, but I also learned a very valuable lesson as well in, in pitching. And it was to be your true self, not put on a voice. Uh, I had a manager come to me after I did a presentation to this full room of people. He's like, uh, who is that? I said, what do you mean? Who was that? He goes, that voice, that, that persona you put on, what was that all about? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, you turned into like Radio Rick voice instead of just being you. And people buy from you because they like you. So don't put on a false front when you're up in front of people. I, I, I forgot to mention that uh, in advice to the youth, but that was one of the best pieces of advice from a manager, frankly, that I didn't like, uh, that I was able to take a, a small piece and, and really put that into my day-to-day -day, uh, work ethic. So I, I kind of sidetracked there a little bit at the end, but it wasn't the smoothest one, people leaving, but there's another little piece of advice for, for some of the younger salespeople out there. Excellent. Rick, it was really great to connect with you. Can, can you please let the listener know how, how to connect with you? And is there anything else that you'd like to add? The floor is all yours. No, I, I think this is dynamite. I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, I think it's, it's nice for uh, a sales community to, to listen to other people, uh, talk about what they've gone through, some of the ups and downs. And so I, I think it's an important aspect to, to bring to the table. So I thank you for that. I can be reached on, on LinkedIn. It's, uh, it's Rick B. Campbell at LinkedIn if you're looking for it. I'm in Vancouver. I'll be the guy with the uh, shiny head and two chins. Uh, I've loved this opportunity to, to chat and share some of my stories. And if there's any way that I can help others out, uh, please connect to me. And uh, I'll do my best to, to, to help you in your career. Thanks again, Rick. Alex, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. That concludes today's episode of the Biggest Win Sales Podcast. Stay tuned for the bonus portion of the show, the podcast in a podcast, the Sales Podcast Improv. Listener, if you'd like to connect with me, send me an email at alexander at sendcareers.ca or call my office at 647-417-0517. Have yourself a wonderful day. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now. Welcome to the Sales Podcast Improv. This is a micro-podcast about a sales interaction with a sales professional and a customer. I wrote a bunch of words, cut them out, and my dad, Alexander, placed them in a box. While you hear this message, he's picking a random word. He and his guests will create a three to five minute sales improvisation on that word. I hope you enjoyed the show. Bye. 
Uh, hello, I am um, looking to uh, buy pencil. A pencil. Do you have any recommendations? Well, thank you for coming into Pencil World. Uh, I think we're probably on the right track. So tell me, how do you use a pencil today? Well, you know, I, Pencil World, I've just been dreaming about coming to Pencil World. I use a pencil for various things, so I have specific, uh, sp specific needs for this pencil. Uh, first of all, I like to scratch my ear with the pencil, and I need to make sure that it doesn't get dirty. So I need a tip that'll just always stay clean. I also like to use my pencil as a pointer, uh, preferably with a light to shine out of it. And lastly, I like to write. Really? So, Alex, uh, it's Alex. I think that's what your name tag says. Is that you correct? May call me, you may call me Alex, yes. My name wow, tag. Thank you, <laughs> Sir, Sir Alex. Uh, that's great. So, uh, obviously, scratching the ear without a, a pointy tip, that's just a safety issue. I think that makes a good sense. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a pointer that uh, you can drive cats crazy with. I, I'm assuming you're a cat owner? I do have uh, multiple felines, about seven. <laughs> well, meow, meow. All right, <laughs> let's keep going. And then, of course, you must write your notes on what to uh, name the felines coming in to the area. So, if you had to stack rank, rank which one was most important to you out of scratching, pointer, or writing, which one would you say? Um, well, I guess I would go with writing since I can, you know, use sticks for those other things, you know, and Q-tips. Uh. But tell me, like, uh, you know, I've, I've also been thinking about, like, just not even, you know, I'll just be honest with you, sir. I've, I've just thought about moving to pens. And, you know, Pencil World, uh, you know, I fantasized about this day coming here. And, but you know what? Pencils are passe, are they not? Why, why should I stick around? Why would you not stick around? Tell me, has a pen ever been able to write underwater? No, but a pencil no. can. True. If you ever decide to go into space with Elon Musk, you think a pen's going to work? Nope, but a pencil will. Yeah. Yeah. Makes logical sense, because who isn't going to do that? That's true. You know what? That's true. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, show me. Tell me about your most expensive pencil. <laughs> well, tell me first. I'm rich. What are you looking from a budget perspective <laughs> for a pencil? I'm rich. Don't don't let don't let the seven cats fool you. <laughs> I've let got seven wives well, also. Well, obviously. <laughs> now we're starting to stretch the truth. These pens come in 14 and 24 karat gold and diamond encrusted. And for a gentleman with such shiny eyes as yourself, why would you not have a diamond encrusted pencil to match that glittery look? Yes, thank you very much. Well, I will buy it. Can you ring it up, please? How much does that cost? <laughs> yeah, 10 mil. <laughs> Don't forget the tip. All right. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Well, listen, thank you very much. I have uh, learned a great deal, and um, this is a wonderful store. And uh, listen, thank you very much. By the way, where did you get your pencil training? Oh, I got that across the street at the pen store. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Have a good day.